0: Hello and welcome to Platforms for Future. This podcast is about building and scaling B2B platform ventures to help you to accelerate and de-risk your journey with practical tips and insights. In our conversations, we talk to founders, executives, and experts uncovering what they experienced and learned building their ventures. But we also cover new trends like ecosystem strategies, IoT and data platforms, Web three and sustainability. This podcast is complementary to our platform innovation kit toolset and the platform academy, where you can find more tools and learning opportunities for you and your team. For more information, please visit platforminnovationkit.com. And now, enjoy today's conversation.
1: Hello, welcome everybody to a new episode of our podcast Platforms for Future and with me my lovely co-host Natalie. Hi Natalie.
2: Hi Matthias. Lovely to be here again.
1: Yes. And I'm also very excited that we have two guests today. We have Markus and Matthias. Hello Markus and hello Matthias. Hello. Hello. Uh, Both are part of the largest applied research organization in Germany, the Fraunhofer, and they work very well together with the German Mittelstand, or so-called SMEs, small, medium-sized companies, to help them to build new platforms. And today we want to talk about what are the key success factors for those Mittelstand companies uh, to really... Uh, succeed in the battle against those bigger corporations and bigger platforms uh, already out there. So hello, Marcos. Hello, Matthias. Maybe before we go into the details in our conversation, can you give a short, briefly intro to our guests, who you are and what you are doing at Fraunhofer and also a bit of background, what Fraunhofer exactly is?
3: Okay, thanks for having us uh, here. So, my name is uh, Markus Trapp. Uh, I work at the Fraunhofer Institute for Experimental Software Engineering, IESE in German or IEC in English. Uh, We are based in Kaiserslautern. Maybe I talk first... bit about myself and then about Fraunhofer. So uh, I'm a computer scientist. I studied in uh, Kaiserslautern. Uh, I'm working for Fraunhofer for almost uh, 20 years uh, now. And um, we, yeah, at our institute, we uh, deal with innovation systems and software engineering. That's important to tell because the Fraunhofer Gesellschaft uh, in German consists of uh, over 70 institutes and each one is specialized in a specific area and usually an engineering area. So we are the largest applied research organization in whole Europe. And uh, uh, we differ from research organizations like Max Planck or university research as we are doing applied research so that uh, the things we are dealing with should be applicable by the industry more or less directly, and uh, Max Planck uh, organizations or uh, universities usually deal with base research. So uh, this is an important research to be done, of course, but usually not applicable directly uh, from industry. And that's why applied research is also uh, necessary. And therefore Fraunhofer uh, was uh, built over 70 years ago uh, and currently we have over 70 uh, institutes in Germany. So this is also a running gag. Uh, Sometimes in the news uh, we see this is Professor X epsilon Professor Müller from the Fraunhofer Institute. This is always wrong because he's either from Fraunhofer or he's from a specific institute as we are from Fraunhofer IEC in Kaiserslautern. So personally uh, myself uh, as well uh, as I said uh, I studied computer science but I'm specialized in user experience uh, and in the last years especially in the ideation phase So uh, actually, you could say the ideation phase. So talking with customers about what things could be done uh, with uh, uh, IT is actually not a part of software engineering at all, you could say that, but we saw it's absolutely necessary to build up this competence at our institute as we realized that our customers uh, like it very well, that if they uh, play around with ideas for future things to do, uh, it's important for them that these people where they are dealing with in this ideation phase uh, actually know the uh, the further steps and uh, that they uh, can trust that the ideas they are playing around can actually be built uh, and uh, they have a technical expertise uh, with them. But I hand over to Matthias and he can maybe add also a bit about our institute and Fraunhofer. Thank
0: you. Yeah, I'm Matthias Nab. Also um, thank you very much for having me in here today. Um, I'm also a computer scientist with a more technical background than marcus has i started very much in the area of software architecture building uh, and evaluating large-scale systems renovating them and roughly six seven years ago uh, we move more into the direction of this uh, platform economy and digital ecosystem area. And currently, I'm heading there at the Fraunhofer IEC, the Division of Digital Ecosystem Engineering, which exactly deals with uh, the engineering activities and the discipline and the combination of disciplines that are necessary. Uh, to build these platforms and digital ecosystems
3: that we are currently talking about. Maybe one thing to add to also lead us to our topic today is that the main task of the Fraunhofer organization is to keep the German and European industry competitive or make them competitive. And of course, this means, especially in Germany, to deal with small and medium-sized companies. Of course, we have some very successful large companies uh, in Germany, but most of our companies are small and medium-sized companies. This is the backbone of Germany, as it's uh, uh, so-called many times. And uh, that's why I think this is a good translation to our topic today.
2: And just before we, we jump into it for just more, a bit more context, uh, Matthias, can you give it, uh, just a tiny bit more information about what you call uh, ecosystems engineering so that we can yes. then get into the concrete? Yeah,
0: uh- yeah uh, of course. And maybe uh, it's also about the combination of these terms, digital ecosystems and platforms, because this is often mixed up uh, in industry, uh, but also in research. And um, of course, there is not the single one correct definition, but we worked uh, quite a time to come uh, up with something that is at least uh, consistent and uh, somehow meets the intuitive understanding. And uh, I can try to give that uh, briefly here. So with digital ecosystems, uh, we mean social technical systems uh, comprised of organizations, people, and technical parts where the participants are uh, free, so to say. They are not forced to be in there. They're, they are there on their own will, but they expect um, mutual benefit from being part of that uh, digital ecosystem. And in the center of a digital ecosystem, there's always kind of um, uh, a central entity uh, so the ecosystem initiator and operator uh, who brings that ecosystem into life the ecosystems uh, don't just happen they are established and in this uh, central area there's uh, yeah always a digital platform and this digital platform is handling all the collaboration among all the ecosystem participants. And uh, in this uh, digital platform, there is uh, one or more central ecosystem service, and this is purely digitally provided. So uh, I give you a brief example. If you think, for example, um, about Airbnb, yeah, then Airbnb, the company, provides uh, the ability that uh, they broker uh, accommodation possibilities from private hosts to travelers, yeah. and uh, uh, the the brokering is a purely digital activity, and this is done by the uh, over the platform of Airbnb. And there now we have the the platform term and the digital ecosystem is the whole thing around it, uh, where we have all the participants providing, consuming, and being there together everyone participating and benefiting and our digital ecosystem engineering now is all the activities that come together to bring these things into life from the first idea to operation so to say
1: oh, well, very well good definition so we should cut this out and put this on our website as an extra audio file very well explained uh, thank you for that. Um, coming to the core of our conversation. So we said, okay, how can we do, how can we make the Mittelstand and the SMEs competitive uh, regarding platforms? And um, so what is from your point of view, the status quo of the economy? Is the Mittelstand, is, are the SMEs uh, far behind, no chance anymore to do anything against the big players or are they more advanced than we think? So what is, what is from your point of view and from your experience right now working with them, the status quo of the economy?
0: I would say um, they are not uh, left behind in the sense that they don't have a chance anymore, but the traditional established companies are At the moment, not in the leading position, definitely, I would say. Most of them are somehow observing the situation. They become slowly aware that things are necessary to be done. Of course, they are not all equal. That's also clear that there are some that are uh, really far. But we know also in the uh, traditional machine engineering, machine and bow, we know companies that even do not want to talk about these things. And that's, of course, uh, problematic because it's closing the eyes and waiting what happens. Uh, But there's a a big diversity how companies look at that. What we also have to say is that um, companies always can be in different positions uh, regarding ecosystems. They uh, could look at uh, the overall market and situation and think about becoming participants of an ecosystem who uh, who can be built by any other company, by a Silicon Valley company, but also by other German SME companies, or they could be more in a driver's seat position and say, I would really like to establish something. I would like to get a leading player in that market. And there, unfortunately, we are not uh, seeing so many companies at the moment who really dare to do that and really started this journey. Um, When we have uh, SME companies that are doing that at the moment in Germany, we often see newly established startups. Of course, they are also somehow SMEs. That's clear. But I think when you talk about uh, SMEs in your question, you think more about the established ones, the one that we might want to preserve from an overall German perspective. And um, yeah, there's, I think, a lot to do, but it's not lost.
2: We also think that this whole ecosystems economy is really um, actually a sweet spot for SMEs because they've got a lot of assets to, to, to leverage. Yet the, the, the thinking is, oh, it's for um, digital giants or startups. It doesn't uh, you know, apply to SMEs. So what would you say the barriers are? Maybe be your, maybe the understanding of this first, but um, there might be other ones. What what have you identified?
3: So I would say um, you're absolutely right with the statement that you that you just did. They are hesitant uh, to go uh, into that direction, and actually it's hard to understand why. Because usually, if you look at the uh, smaller, medium-sized companies uh, in Germany, they have a, yeah, most of them are still private owned. Yeah, there is a, a strong uh, owner. Uh, beyond that founded this company many maybe some decades uh, or at least some some years ago and usually they were really innovative at that point in time when they founded their company so they have the spirit of uh doing something maybe crazy new in their domain they have uh, this spirit yeah but they are hesitant to do this in the digital domain and i think it's exactly uh, the way as you said they uh you think oh it's this is not our uh, our business uh, but we also see another thing uh, that these companies think they need to redefine their whole market to build such an ecosystem. I give you an example. Uh, they think they have to redefine the whole medical domain into a new uh, digital uh, ecosystem or the whole construction uh, domain. And this is absolutely not true if you uh, uh, look what these companies are actually uh, doing, even the successful one. Oh, maybe that's that's another uh, point we, uh, we should point out. If you look at the established Uh, uh, successful digital ecosystems coming from uh, the United States or uh, or from Asia. They were usually, or almost all of them, were not founded uh, by big established companies that were already there. They all started at small uh, startups uh, there and and became these big giants. Even the IT companies, they are not uh, a, a big successful a digital ecosystem established by Microsoft, Dell or General Electric or something like that.
1: Yeah, you also pointed out a very good point that the there's maybe a misunderstanding from those Mittelstand players to maybe I need to um, transform my whole business into a completely new business. But this is also kind of wrong, as you pointed out. So the, When you look at the big players like Apple and so, they are still making 80% of their profit by producing hardware and then products and uh, 20, 30% uh, on their portfolio are based on then those kind of transactional based revenues. And um, so this is also something um, when we talk to the Mittelstand, uh, we need to tell them, you, we, you need to increase the portion of your portfolio, which is based on transactional revenues and not completely transform your business.
3: Uh, You're absolutely uh, right. And we also think a big problem is that uh, even ourselves, when we explain and use examples, we usually talk about uh, the uh, B2C, business-to-consumer uh, uh, things. And uh, especially the German uh, small and medium-sized uh, companies, they are usually in the B2B uh, market and they're successful and they say, oh, this is, this is uh, uh, nothing for us. Yeah? But uh, we think a really good example uh, to look at is Schuttflicks. Yeah, if you uh, if you look at Shudflix, they do so many things really really well. Yeah, they are uh, addressing their their customer groups very well. And what they did is they said, okay, let's start small. Okay, we are in. Uh, maybe t- 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 uh, just to introduce uh, Shudflix for people who don't know uh, Shudflix, what they are doing is, as Matthias said, of course they are brokering something. Yeah, when they are establishing a, a digital ecosystem, they brokering uh, they are brokering bulk material like sand or uh, some things uh, that are provided by uh, construction material uh, suppliers for construction companies if you are building for example streets yeah or the autobahn uh, it's is still a problem that this bulk bulk material is delivered in the wrong quality at the wrong uh, time uh, and are placed at the uh, wrong position uh, of the construction site. This is still a problem. And what should Flix ident- identify that problem and said, okay, we want to do something in this uh, construction domain, but they didn't start it to reinvent the whole uh, construction industry. But they said, okay, this is a service. This is still a problem uh, that this bulk material is delivered in time, in quality, and to, uh, for an acceptable uh, price. And that's what they did. Just providing this small service in a quality that nobody else uh, could uh, provide at the, at the uh, moment. And if we use such an example and uh, show this to small and medium-sized companies, they say, "Okay, hmm, this is something that uh, we that we could came up uh, with, yeah. This is this is not such a crazy thing like Uber or Airbnb or something like that. Or this is something that we can understand and we can fi- we could find such things in our domain, yeah, and start uh, small."
2: So they are just to understand properly. They are providing. Uh, uh a service to enable that the right uh, material is delivered at the right place on the right time
1: is
3: that in the right quality yeah
1: and as you said you they started small um so we understand from the conversation so far the there are different positions you can have in in an ecosystem you need to find out which one you want to play second you also said okay you need to you need to start and you need to initiate so from this point of view um are there any reasons uh, or what is holding back the small, medium companies to start this uh, journey, Matthias? Uh,
0: I would like to, of course, there might be more, but I would like to point out uh, two here. One is referring back to Natalie. She said it in a side sentence. Uh, maybe they don't understand it well enough. And That's something uh, that we see all the time when we have conversations with companies. And therefore, I would like to emphasize this a bit more. That there is uh, so much misunderstandings behind all these terms of ecosystems and platforms, and uh, how all these things are mixed up, and what it is, because both terms are highly uh, overstressed. Yeah? So nearly everything uh, is um, uh, uh, is named a platform or an ecosystem, even things that are out there for a long time, and so. Uh, companies and people get lost, and they also don't find the right language with each other, with their partners, and even inside their own company. And we worked with many companies that talked over months and even years about that without coming up with this idea. Yeah, you mentioned this idea, Matthias, and they they even can't bring this idea to the point where they can start just because they are lost in all this terminology thing. And uh, there, we also try to do a lot by publishing uh, webinars and articles and definitions and so on. We never claim that this is absolute truth, but it helps people uh, to, uh, to find themselves and maybe to form their own definition. My second point that I would like to make here is also about uh, financing all that stuff. Uh, so uh, even if you start small, you have uh, uh, yeah you have to take into account that it can get expensive uh, when you really want to make it bigger and you want to scale it and you want to come up uh, with that size where you can become uh, profitable. There uh, you have to come up with quite a big business uh, because you have only a small margin in that business when you have these transactions. And uh, that typically means that your return of invest, uh, the positive return on invest and your break even comes quite late. So we often hear, yeah, we would like to get profitable after 12 or 18 months. And for all we know. That's nearly impossible to reach. You rather have to uh, take a timeframe of more than five or even 10 years into account. When you really scale it up and you get the business big, then it becomes really, really profitable. But uh, you don't know whether you ever reach that point and you really need the patience. And for that patience, you need money and money. This is something that I would like to explain uh, a bit more here when you uh, look at the Mittelstand and the SMEs. Because uh, as Markus said, there are traditional companies, often there's still the founder in there and they are making good money. But if they take all the risk uh, to put their money in this new business model and try to grow that, this might ruin their old company, and this is something when they understand that point they of course are cautious and uh, there we need models to distribute that risk so to say and uh, that is also where the difference to startups are uh, is that uh, start really small and uh, with only the founders they nearly never can uh, come up with the whole financing of their endeavor from their own. They need external capital, like from venture capitalists. And they have the possibility to distribute the risk over many of these companies, while the owner of an SME company uh, necessarily can't do that directly. And that is something w- uh, where we have to find Different models to distribute the, uh, the risk also for these companies. And that is something where we could also talk about um, how maybe different players uh, uh, could come together and take the risk together. Uh, so that might be a follow up discussion uh, for today.
1: Dear listeners, to I hope you enjoy our podcast and you can learn more about building and scaling a successful platform business. I'm Matthias, CEO of Fastbreak One. And as you know, we at Fastbreak One are platform entrepreneurs by heart. Since over 20 years, we are building new platforms and this makes us one of the most experienced platform venture builders around the globe. If you are a corporate and you tried out different strategies, consultants, IT partners, but your platform initiative struggles to scale, please check out our assessment services. For example, we worked closely together with a leading insurance company who tried to establish a platform for two years, but the results were below expectations and the risk to fail was very high. Within one month, we helped them to understand the bottlenecks and created a step-by-step plan to scale. Today, we are working very closely with the company and the platform became a market leader. Yes, we are no consultants, we are entrepreneurs and we love to share the risk and go full in in building new platform ventures. Learn more about our experience and our practices of work at our website, www.fastbreak.one or send us an email to contact at fastbreak.one. And now let's go back to the conversation.
2: And in fact, uh, there's kind of two sub points in what you said in, in my mind. They are linked, obviously, but uh, it's one, the financing strategy and access to funding and two, the ROI, which, OK, they are linked, but it's kind of two topics. And um, so, I'm, uh, so I've got uh, uh, two questions or one question and one remark on the ROI. Um what would you say to what I hear all the time? Oh, but platforms don't earn any money. Look at Airbnb, look at uh, Uber, they're burning cash and they never earn any money. That's the first on the ROI. So I've got my opinion, but I want, <laughs> I want to ask you. And the second one, which maybe might lead us into... Uh, uh, what are the options to structure that access uh, to financing and, and uh, yeah, financing strategy, uh, whether it's it's working with venture studios, working through uh, with other partners in an ecosystems or both, in essence, working a bit like a startup. Um, so, yeah, two topics. Maybe the shorter one is the ROI <laughs> and then uh, the other one uh, we can dig into a little bit more.
0: Yeah, uh, with the ROI, I would say um, that you have to look a bit behind the scenes um, because many of these platform companies are still uh, strongly in their growth phase and invest a lot of their money into new ecosystem services, which of course consumes uh, another hell of money. If you look at Airbnb, for example, they have not only the Airbnb accommodation brokering, but they're also dealing with experiences and so on. They try to make the the overall business bigger, more successful, and therefore they invest everything they earn. It's not that they are not making money, but um, they might not be in the uh, in the black numbers yet. Yeah? And if you yeah. look at Uber, for example, that's really extreme. They had, I don't know whether they still have, but I think they had more than 10,000 people working in other areas like autonomous driving and so on. And with that, even being not productive, you can't get a positive ROI already. And uh, that's something that you always have to analyze when you look at that. Amazon, not a pure platform company. They always uh, uh, had uh, also this uh, this attitude to reinvest uh, everything that they earned. But at some point in time, they made a hell of a lot of money. And then everybody wondered yeah, uh, at this point in time. So that can go very fast then. And other companies uh, are not in the position to catch up then anymore if they have uh, such a big head start.
1: Yeah, very good points you you mentioned, and there are mul- multiple points. I try to uh, summarize them a bit. So first you said, okay, there's an, a big question mark for the companies to understand what are platforms and ecosystems, so their basic understandings. Second is also, you said how to approach that and, uh, and the expectations they have. So sometimes they said, okay, it's, they compare building a platform tower, uh, uh, compared to uh, building up a new product line. So it needs to be, uh, there needs to be a positive ROI within 12 to 18 months, but it takes more years to become profitable as a platform because you invest a lot in network effects first. And this takes more time instead of building a product and then bring it to market and whatever but uh, the potentials are much higher. So also in our research, we found out that it takes usually five years for platforms to become really profitable. Um, And this is mainly because they need to yeah, go into competition against the, the 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 other players in the market and invest a lot in marketing and so on. Not about the product itself, uh, but yeah, positioning yourselves very well. And the third point you is also you also mentioned regarding the financing thing. Um, I find really interesting is like maybe um, as you said, the startups they look for the next twelve months, bring something to market, and then they look for finding a, a new investor. And um, maybe most of the companies, they said, I need to invest everything by myself. And so they maybe approach it differently compared to startups. Because startup, I bring it to market and then I I, I will find an investor to finance uh, me the next round and the next 12 months or 18 months. But the company maybe said, I, I don't have the money now for the next three years. So I don't want to uh, start everything. So maybe more looking at building a platform more from a venture perspective, really like looking into or thinking in 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 financing around, would this also help for companies to approach this? And maybe also thinking about who who else I can bring in as a co investor?
3: Yeah, I guess this would be uh, definitely a good idea to partner. Uh, so several uh, small and medium companies uh, could join their efforts. Uh, they are maybe from the from the same domain or maybe they're even from completely different uh, domains and they combine uh, their, their skill sets that they have to found something completely new. That's definitely the idea. But also, Matthias, what you suggested is is definitely a good idea. Uh, even if I'm a established, successful, small and medium-sized company, I could think like a startup and go uh, into the venture capital direction why not of course i will not own all of the new uh, um yeah services or company or whatever uh, uh, form this would take uh, but why not yeah uh, and i think they they, they are thinking too uh, traditional uh, here i would like to add on that markus because
0: i think we We should even uh, phrase this more positively uh, in this combination because for the first or the first two years, most of the uh, successful SME companies, they can clearly afford to make that uh, and they can afford to make the start. They can position it. They can, um, they can market it already and they can see whether it works in the market. And they can also do it quite fast because they are often uh, family owned. They are in a position to decide fast like a startup and to just make it, maybe with an internal division that can strongly focus on that and
3: only work on that, not distributed over the whole company. It is a big advantage against uh, the, the big successful companies in Germany because they are yeah. so slow uh, in doing these things. This is a, a very, very big advantage from the small and medium sized companies. Yeah. And
0: then after that point in time, they can see how to proceed, whether they can uh, get external funding and um, yeah, uh, give out shares, so to say, of that uh, business to others, or whether they are so successful that they believe so much in it that they put uh, further own money in it. I think in that sense, uh, they are even in a very good position because they have the the starting money on their own side. They do not have to get the seed uh, investment from external and they can just start. So you can put it more negatively or in that sense, more positively, but we would like to encourage more of these SMEs, the successful companies of Germany to really try that and to build up a good position quite fast.
1: So this is also a good point. So the small, medium companies, they are... Uh... Yeah, owned by a family or whatever. So it's like a family-owned business and they can make decisions much, much faster than compared to the bigger ones with a lot of politics in the background and making them very slow. But you also mentioned uh, maybe forming an alliance with another small, medium company could be uh, of a benefit, but would be forming an alliance, not counter... Uh, uh yeah or against this kind of uh, fast decision making opportunity if you are owning it by yourself so what are what are, what would what do you think how what should i do as a small medium company should i do it by myself should i form an alliance so or how how do you see this
3: it would be really, really nice uh, if we could uh, give you a really good answer uh, to that uh, question, but unfortunately, we see uh, successful stories uh, of uh, uh, things where 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 they did it on their own in as a department, as a project within their company. They formed a startup on their own. They formed an alliance. Yeah, there are successful stor- uh, success stories here, but there are also. Uh, miss success stories uh, in the with the same thing yeah so it it depends I know this is a, a very bad uh, answer this is a standard software engineering uh, answer answer uh, it depends but unfortunately it's really true uh, in this uh, situation to make this it depends a bit uh, less bad <laughs> I have at least uh,
0: one criterion that uh, supports this alliancing, yes. matthias and uh, Sometimes we see situations where companies say, if I would establish that ecosystem, I would need all my competitors to take part in that ecosystem, but they will not if I'm the uh, the initiator or the owner of the ecosystem. And uh, if we have that situation, then building an alliance is a very good option because Uh, they can uh, found it together typically they establish a completely new company under a new name and brand and uh, then they all have the shares of course that makes it in some sense slower but you have then to give that company also the freedom to decide without always asking all the alliance members and uh, just do the things and only have regular board meetings or whatever you establish and one company that uh, that does this and that we know very well uh, is caruso the caruso database gmbh the, the members are not really the, the very small ones. There are also smaller ones, uh, but there is also Bosch and Continental and ZF and others uh, in there. Uh, it's the members of the tech alliance. And uh, there are the really big ones that I just mentioned, but there are also smaller ones that you might definitely count under the SMEs. And uh, they came up also with this alliance idea So that they had a neutral uh, entity, so to say, that is speaking in all their names uh, to to canalize the data that is uh, coming from car manufacturers, but also from other sources. And that can be then brokered and used for services that rely on vehicle telematics data. And uh, I think that's a good example for this alliance approach.
2: Makes me think of two things. (laughs) Um, uh, The first one is, you mentioned neutrality. Uh, I always uh, talk about trust. I think this is a huge stake for digital ecosystems going forward. Um, And in fact, indeed, the, the more... You manage to uh, to new to to to, um, to give a neutral uh, uh, positioning. The more attractive you are. Uh, I know of some platforms where you know some companies just don't want to touch them because they have been created by so 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 um, co building within a, an ecosystem. Uh, maybe with your competitors uh, a platform is also um bearing in mind you've got the right governance but it's also uh uh appearing more neutral and more more tra- and being more neutral and more trustworthy i think um the the danger of being slow because you've got a big governance can be mitigated by um you know, orchestrating, engineering that that proper governance so that the the the, um, the executive team has got leeway and decision power, etc. Uh, but it's a very um, uh, very powerful thing. You mentioned Caruso. Uh, in France, we've got a platform called Bienici, Bienici.com. It's a real estate platform, and they um, got together with uh, like 13, I think it was 13 competitors in real estate, they build it together. And now they are competing with the biggest, largest real estate companies in France. Um, so it, it can be very powerful. They created a different brand. Like you said, it's, it's uh, you know, uh, the, the governance is, is uh, well um, engineered. But um, so the fact that there are several Seems more complex, and maybe it is at the beginning, but I think it has a lot of virtues.
0: Definitely. Distrusting is very important. And uh, this comes directly uh, with this neutrality and uh, not wanting yeah. uh, another player to be uh, to be the dominant player in my business. And th- this is something when you position yourself, then... Um, you become a broker of something where you are on your own also a provider, so to say. Uh, Then it always gets a bit dangerous because all the other providers might be suspicious in the sense that you are preferring yourself on the platform when delivering to consumers. And there are players that are Quite successful with that, like Amazon with its marketplace. Yeah, the marketplace and the Amazon Webshop is completely intertwined, and you as a user uh, even have difficulties to see where it comes from. But they dis- uh, established first their uh, um, uh, their normal uh, warehouse, and then they added the marketplace and gave the chance for others to participate. And as they were so dominant. They just could make it, but the others often hate it. Also, yeah, we know
2: we all know that. Again, I think this is actually a mindset advantage because SMEs are more will more easily uh, uh, understand or accept that they're not necessarily the dominant one, uh, whereas very big brands. they they tend to absolutely want to keep their brands and and keep be uh, you know the dominant platform uh, uh, in the market and I think this poses, causes causes um, a the question of trust and and neutrality.
3: But uh, you mentioned an interesting thing uh, with the uh, uh, yeah. the expectations that you have when you uh, start something like that because we also see uh, a really. Great chance for the small and medium-sized companies that in a traditional business play maybe a minor role uh, from uh, from big picture point of view. But if they establish a new digital service out there, a service that is not around at the moment in this business, they can be the big fish then. Uh, they can be uh, uh, positioned themselves in a completely uh, new way in this new business, even if they keep their uh, their smaller role in the uh, in the old business. And this is a big chance. There are so many things uh, left uh, to be done, especially in the business-to-business sector, where is the strength of the German smaller, medium-sized uh, companies? And there is so much to do. And we hope that many, many more companies try and go into that direction. And reposition themselves in this new uh, business. I want to add one more thing why they are uh, hesitant. I know this question is a long time ago uh, uh, now, uh, but uh, it it fits here very well because I think too many companies and maybe especially the small and medium-sized companies are hesitant because they are cursed by their own success. They built the successful companies years or usually decades ago. And it's really, really successful. As we know, we have so many hidden champions out there where they are world leader in their in their own thing. But this is still the old business and it's yet still successful. But we are on the verge that every domain is getting uh, uh, digital or uh, more digital, at least. And. Now is the time to think about repositioning yourself. But they are cursed by their success because they did it that way. They did it very successfully and they do it still successfully. And that's why they are hesitant to move into a new direction.
1: Yeah, very good point. So they are kind of hesitant, but what when we talk also to the SMEs, we find out that they are asking themselves, do we have the right talent? Do we have the right skills on board to do that? So yes, I understand platform. Yes, I understand. I need to do something. Yes. I know the options, but Hey, looking at my people I have here in the company, mm, maybe the right entrepreneurial mindset and entrepreneurial skills are really missing. So to really approach this uh, uh, endeavor. So um, um, that's why some of those SMEs talking to venture builders or or to Fraunhofer, how do you see uh, this skill gap and how to overcome the skill gap for the the SMEs?
3: Honestly, uh, I know what you're talking about, but my personal experience, I would would largely not agree that the, the talent is really missing. Because if you look uh, closely, there are people that are willing to do things differently. They see uh, what they could uh, achieve in their domain, what they could do better. But our experience more or less shows that they are uh, that is the, the management is uh, is a problem yeah there are, there are people especially bottom-up ideas they are there yeah and they also have the, the the will to do so but especially the middle management is the problem maybe even the owners or the uh, uh, the, uh, the the big management, uh, is uh, the C-level management, is willing to do uh, uh, new things, and also the bottom levels are willing to do so, but the middle management wants to keep the business running as they've already uh, run it because they are still running it uh, so successfully. So I know maybe there's some digital expertise missing, but you definitely can acquire that uh, to do so and as you said the entrepreneurial thinking this is the more important uh, thing if you build something new and I'm pretty sure there is this spirit in the uh, in the German companies around there
2: I I agree. Uh, There is uh, the spirit uh, also in French companies (laughs) and and the expertise, like you said, they know the market, they see opportunities, they see needs in the market. I think maybe what Matthias was referring to uh, uh, is also, I mean, if you're, so, so you have an idea or you have identified a problem and Then we said, like we said, you need to uh, act like a startup or create uh, yourself a startup. This is another way of doing business. And maybe uh, that's where, you know, those companies need to... uh, themselves bring their knowledge of the market and their, 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 their network and their data, maybe, or whatever, and then lean on things like venture Studios or other uh, type of entities to help them um, uh, process the, the, the startup building to help them build a, a financing strategy to help them understand platform business models to help them then maybe build the technology or whatever. So it's kind of a, um, you know, there are skills in there, but there are also skills that need to be found uh, somewhere else. And, uh, you know, we need they I guess those, uh, companies, um, also need to be aware of that. I know what I know and I don't know what I don't know, in fact, you
1: know. But it was really interesting to hear that um, the meat sized companies are maybe held back by the m- middle management, <laughs> uh, but it, it's natural. The middle management don't want to release the talents they have in their department to go their own way because they attracted or invested a lot in attracting those create talents and their job is to uh, make their department running very well and not to create a new business. So it's, it's also natural because of the incentivations and motivations those middle managers have. Um, so, But how to overcome this kind of dilemma?
0: I think um, where we might have this defeat or where we also often see this uh, to lead the different areas uh, and maybe you also meant that uh, Matthias before with your question um, how to really establish uh, the uh, the overall new idea of this platform thing and to really drive that how to uh, really establish this overall new customer experience uh, of this uh, thing how to establish the overall technical platform and that is something where many companies uh, don't have the skills to the necessary level we don't say they don't have the people that can develop themselves to that position but it's not um, completely there yet to start and uh, that is something um, where, in particular, the top management has to identify the right candidates, see where also the gaps are, and then try to position that uh, at a place in the company where the middle management uh, uh, can't kill it, so to say. Yeah? That sometimes means to put it um, uh, outside of that. Yeah, And uh, that's something... Um, where we see uh, the the possibility that you can really get it running, but but you have to identify the roadblocks and then see how that
2: works. Yeah. And again, this speaks for um, isolating the risk by creating a startup uh, or, or um, a subsidiary, which is a, a startup. So unfortunately. Um,
1: We're running in our uh, end of time for this conversation. So we need to conclude, um, uh, but a very, very, very good conversation and a lot of great points you, you, you mentioned about uh, um, the chances, opportunities, and best practices of building uh, platform ventures for the. For the middle stand, for the SMEs, um, so we usually conclude um, asking our guests about the key advice they would give to maybe middle management or the CEOs of those companies. Um, so, what is maybe the most uh, or some some key learning you made in the last years you would like to give to uh, to the other executives?
0: Maybe I can start. I think. At the highest level of abstraction, so to say, uh, my advice would be not to hold back and uh, to try these things from the overall perspective in Germany and Europe. We can't afford to let go all these chances to the U.S. or to China. So there has to be companies. uh, We need these companies that have the courage and uh, are brave enough to do it. They, of course, they have a hard way to do it, but they should do it. And that comes probably with a second advice to politics and so on, uh, because not every company can establish an ecosystem and a platform. Uh, so politics has to support that these things uh, come into life in Germany. And whoever companies that are, whether it's new startups or it's the SMEs uh, that have uh, the right conditions... But we need to do that to, uh, to be in the right
3: position for our overall economy in the long term. And uh, unfortunately, that's almost exactly the same thing that I wanted to give as advice, Matthias. So, But Sorry. I will uh, add something in that direction. And I would uh, give the advice to uh, think about uh, not only their own domain uh, that they are currently working in, But uh, think what you could achieve in maybe a completely uh, different business domain with the skill set that your company and your employees uh, already have. If you establish a completely new digital service based on the skill set that you already have, uh, you could achieve great things in an area you are currently not thinking about. Do so.
1: It's so a very good point. So, uh, being bold, being ambitious, but also thinking outside of the box, um, uh, you are in, um, I'm also happy that we can announce a second episode, uh, together with you and also the, um, founders and initiators maybe of uh, Caruso Uh, you mentioned this uh, data platform and um, you you worked with and you're still working with uh, and we can talk about uh, forming an alliance and what it takes to really make a a data platform successful so coming up soon in our podcast uh, from our point of view uh, thank you very much for joining this conversation a lot of great insights um, and Yes, let's keep in touch. Uh, I think we have also between us a lot of things to share. And uh, um, as we are in the same fields, helping and making uh, helping companies and making them more competitive uh, in this whole environment. Yeah, thank you again for joining. Um, very well. Done. Thank
2: you. Thank you very much, Markus and Matthias. Very interesting. I enjoyed this very much. And I would have liked to talk a long, a lot longer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. It was a great discussion.